tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. We've heard the speech before. And yeah, we know. We should have taken him in. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the 85th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, when we're done with these drinks, we're going to be done with you. Because we're talking the ultra macho, much underappreciated, Turkish bathhouse brawl classic, Bullet to the Head. I liked it better when it was Eastern Promises, but all right. (laughs) Fair enough. A lot more Vigo dick in that one. Listen... When presented with the opportunity of full frontal Mortensen, you grab that with both hands. It, and is that not uh, a Cronenberg movie? It is. It is a David Cronenberg movie. It's also based also, on a graphic novel. Yeah, weird. Anyway. I think you might be confusing History of Violence. Oh, yeah, fuck, History of yeah. Damn it. Well, bo- right, both are Cronenberg, right. though. Yes, both yes. are Cronenberg, both yeah. star Vigo. And both have Vigo dick. Both. Lots Maybe. of Vigo dick. The return of the king, one might say. Indeed. Uh, oh. So before we begin, let's all pour ourselves a shot of bullet bourbon. Oh, that drink that no one's heard of? Yeah. Bullet bourbon, that drink <laughs> that the movie explicitly says, oh, nobody's ever heard of it. Yeah. It, it's Jim Bean, Jack Daniels, and bullet bourbon. Like, I get this movie is eight years old, but come on. It is Jimmy Bobo's uh, drink, and what he drinks, we drink. All right, before we do that shot, along with me are Captain Cash. I regret everything about taking whiskey shots on this show. All right. And uh, Christian Slater's party planner, Chumpzilla. Heyo. Howdy, listener. You throw a mean costume orgy. Well done, sir. Yeah, that's some eyes wide shut shit, folks. Get in there. Oh, yeah. Get weird. Toast to uh, Stallone looking as ripped as he ever has in this movie. At 66 years old. Yeah. With comically large hands. It was called Needle to the Butt originally, but <laughs> changed the name. Uh, Actually, it was Salacha. Blood to the Head, but whatever. Cheers. I mean, as bourbon goes, that's not bad. It stings. Stings the nostrils. Uh, points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself when I am not helping Stallone murder people in Louisiana at writer TLK on Twitter. Uh, so just find you at writer at TLK yeah. on Twitter. Saying. That's what you think. Yeah. You can find me at chumpzilla eight on Twitter and please folks hit me up, reach out, make me feel something, please. anything, anything at all. Weird, but uh, captain cash. I can be found at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. So this movie uh, is available to rent on basically any platform. I own it. Of course, we should all own this movie. That's just a fact. I understand that you plan to give a full-throated endorsement of this film, and that is your right as the host of this pod. Uh, I cannot join you on that ride. This is an action film. You have no clue how full-throated this endorsement is about to be. Yeah. 
Well, and let's be clear here, listeners. If this movie had starred Thomas Jane as God had intended, Captain Cash would love it. I mean, I would like it better. I I do honestly love, think love capital L love. If this had TJ in it, you would have your little lady boner for it or whatever. I mean, I don't feel like TJ works here, but uh, we'll oh, get he into it. He could have worked here for sure. He could have. Uh, this, 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 is, this is Thomas Jane Punisher territory. He would have been fine in this universe. Yeah, that, no, that's fair. He actually well, would have been hanging out with Jimmy Bobo. Well, I mean, Jimmy Bobo is a hitman. The Punisher almost certainly uh, would have killed Jimmy Bobo. The Punisher's Bobo. pretty much a hitman. Jimmy Bobo has rules, too. Let's not forget. Y- yeah, let's be honest. The Punisher is a glorified hitman. That's true, but he specifically kills mobsters, of which Jimmy Bobo is one. Not necessarily. He's just he's just employed by bad people, technically. I'm just gonna throw this out there. We can dance around this all day. Jimmy Bobo's beating the shit out of Thomas Jane's Punisher. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, probably. Hey, hey, and uh, Jimmy Bobo. Let's just be clear here. He's just the Punisher with a money problem. Like he just needs the cash. So if you know he didn't have some sort of way to arm himself to the teeth. Like autonomously, like the Punisher. I mean, uh, it, it makes sense he would just be a gun for hire. I agree. There's and he can turn wrong, down uh, any job he doesn't want, and he clearly doesn't like to kill women. Or so children. He's got rules. He's got rules. Or children. Uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with what Jimmy Bobo does in this movie ever at any point. Vigilante, street justice. I'm all for it. Not really. That's a lie. Uh, but in the movie context, but yes, in the movie, I'm all for yeah, it. it's cool. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Let's just be clear here for a second. He's just on this side of cool compared to Judge Dredd. Like he might be a fascist, yes. but he hasn't crossed that threshold where it's like completely clear. So we can still root for him as a quote-unquote anti-hero. This is how I would describe what Jimmy Bobo does throughout this movie. There's a scene in True Lies where his wife asks him when he's under truth serum if he's killed anybody. And he says, yeah, but they were all bad. So... You know, Bobo's, he's hes murdering people for sure, but they all mostly deserve it. And then I would quote Witness, like, you know, how do you know who's bad? How how do you see what's in their hearts? I mean, now and you're taking all this up sad. like a really high notch because that movie's very good and this movie is mostly mediocre, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I'll take it. There no, we no, go. no. But hey, I tell you what, this movie, uh, to your point, The Thunderous Wizard, there is no guilt in enjoying this movie. Oh, at all. It, it, it's it's shamelessly what it wants to be. Yeah, exactly. That is, that is completely fair. Uh, so we're also drinking Axeman IPA from Surly Brewing Company tonight because you, one cannot just sit here drinking bullet bourbon throughout a podcast because we are not Jimmy Bobo. Uh, Axeman is an English ale with a 7.2 ABV, pours a straw gold, and like extract of white tiger juice, it'll put a little pound in your pencil. I like this beer a lot, so if I was to say how many bad movies would I sit through while I drank it, I'd give it all three. I'd give it all, all right. three. I like it. Yep. Uncle Chumpzilla's going to chime in here. Surly Brewing is out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am familiar with those guys. They actually started brewing. Well, I still lived up in the Great White North, and I've had many a Surly in my day, and it is good beer, and I have had Axeman, but I couldn't get that down here in the South, but right next to the Surly at the beer store, they have a couple varieties, but no Axeman. 
but they did have Sierra Nevada's Hop Bullet Double IPA. And this is Captain Cash approved. It checks in at 8.0 ABV. Mwah. Chef's kiss. I'm going to crack one right now. Uh, yeah, it's just a super over-the-top citrusy, you know, U.S. IPA. So it's a dual beer review tonight. <clears throat> so cheers to the Surly, cheers to the Sierra Nevada, and cheers to you guys. And cheers indeed. This movie was directed by the legendary Walter Hill, who helmed classics like The Warriors, 48 Hours, Red Heat, and Streets of Fire. Uh, this movie is very derivative of some of those, so it makes sense. Uh, it stars Sylvester, this is me on cycle, Stallone, as James Bonomo, <laughs> a.k.a. Jimmy Bobo. Soong Han Kang as Detective Taylor Kwan. Uh, you'd recognize him from several Fast and the Furious movies. You've got Jason Caldrogo Momoa. Uh, he's Aquaman now. Yeah, we, that's fair, too. But We don't talk about... The series that will not be mentioned that flamed out a year ago. But he was on the Dude. series when it was good. So I think it's fair still. He's on the series when they still like did clips of it on Pornhub. <laughs> Wait, what? That thing with him and, and Emile Hirsch? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, moving on. What happened with Speed Racer? Wait, Emile Clark? Whatever. Amelia Clark. Uh, his name is Keegan. Let's just ignore everything that just happened five seconds ago. We've got Christian gleaming the cube Slater as Marcus Baptiste. You've got Adewale Adebisi and Kunue Agbaje as Morel. I don't think I pronounced that correctly, and I apologize because he's fantastic. You'd recognize him from a million things. Unfortunately, he's also the killer croc they turned into a racist parody. Stop oh, no, eating I my sesame cakes. No, wrong guy. He's that's definitely not that yeah, guy. That's Delroy Lindo, and he's the guy that he's on the plane. He's Monroe's number two. He's Mister Echo. Yeah, who does number two work for? Monroe is the answer. Yeah. Uh, whatever. You've got Sarah. Uh, thank God they didn't make me Stallone's love interest. Shahi is Lisa. Because his daughter, which I mean, that was, was close though, right? It was that right was, on the table. <laughs> yeah, and that was probably the smartest part of the movie yeah. when they they pulled that on us because you totally thought that was a thing. He's like, "It's my daughter." I, it was like the first time I saw this. I saw this in theaters. I was like, "Oh shit, no, no, <laughs> tell me they're not dating." So thank I, God. I mean, the age gap there, thirty years, not. I mean, that's that's definitely more than him and Sandra Bullock. It was like a 40-plus year age gap. <laughs> so the biggest thing that I learned in the Judge Dread pod is that Sandra Bullock is slightly older than Ma Kent. Yes. Like, wow. One year. I, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. And then lastly, uh, not really lastly, but there's other people in this movie. you got Hulk. You've got Holt. Let's all be thankful the Snyder Cut will remove my odd appearance in Justice League, McElhaney, as Hank Greeley. Uh, he's the cat burglar that Batman arrests in the opening of Justice League. And then he hops around while tied up and goes, It's because he's gone, isn't it? He's hopping around tied up. It is a fucking travesty. 
God. Listen, I saw that movie once for free. I haven't exactly gone back. There, there's a lot of problems with that movie, but that is definitely one of them. Yes. Uh, so amongst other familiar faces, who I will mention when we get to the plot. Uh, Bullet to the Head, for reasons known only to the movie gods, flopped. And it flopped hard. You don't say. It grossed a dismal $21,947,000 and change, failing to bring back its $40 million budget. I've seen that budget as high as $55 million. It also sits at 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wrong. With a user score of 39%. Double wrong. Fuck all of you. That's strong. But okay. I mean, that's aggressive, but and the I bullet bourbon that. will do that to you. All I right. mean that because this movie's awesome, and it shouldn't have a lower user score than the critic score. That never happens. Almost never. Well, I mean, in researching this movie, I saw that the director wanted to work with Stallone and wanted to explicitly do a, a Sly Stallone action movie and sort of be a throwback to some of his older action movies that were classics in the 80s and 90s. And this plot is is basically bare bones enough and just dumb enough and macho enough to facilitate that. And I think for the most part, they're successful. I mean, that's what this movie feels like. I agree but, completely. It's an 80s but, movie. 100% yeah, um, it is. Yeah, uh, but there's just parts of it that don't work in the current environment, you know, or the current, you know, uh, culture, whatever you want to call it. There's just parts of it that just fall flat. You're like, ugh, you can't, you can't get away with that anymore. You have to have a little bit more than what you're giving us to make this work. But I mean, it again at its core, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, listen, this isn't. I think ultimately where this suffers is that you made a movie that would have been great in 1988 in 2012. It's it's too far removed from when all this stuff would have been seen as gritty and hip and cool. And you're taking a guy who is 66 fucking years old and pumping him full of HGH. And sure, he looks great, but like at the end of the day, what you really needed was maybe not a young star, but at least someone with a little bit more like, oh, shit, it's that badass dude. Like, if this starred The Rock, yeah, this would have made money. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. But we'll get there uh, when we talk about whether it should have flopped or not. Uh, On an interesting note, this film is based upon a French graphic novel. Uh, Now, pardon my pronunciation because I never took French. I took Spanish all throughout middle school and high school. Duplam Dans la Tête, written by Matt and illustrated by Colin Wilson. Uh, that is roughly translated to Lead in the Head. If you're paying attention to the credits, it is noted in there. Uh, that was published by Dynamite Entertainment. Have either of you read that? Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's a no here. And I'd like to point out that graphic novel does not have a Wikipedia entry either. So no. I couldn't even read up Wikipedia. on it. Wikipedia. Yeah, if you don't if you don't have a Wikipedia, are you really a thing if you don't? I mean, you need at least a Wikipedia. So I was gonna buy that uh, and read it read it digitally, and it really is almost out of print because you're buying basically used copies now, which kind of sucks. Keep circulating them tapes. Yeah. 
So how would you describe this film in one sentence? We'll start with Captain Cash. Southeastern Promises. All right, Chumzilla. Sylvester Stallone stars in The Girl with the Black Panther Back Tattoo. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, so I would say this movie is a slightly less racist, much more violent, 48 hours, but the roles are reversed. So you have the fugitive being the racist, gruff, and tough guy, and you have the cop being, I guess, the comic relief, but not really, because Stallone's much funnier than him. But this movie is 48 hours, ostensibly. Like, it's very it's similar. It's a cop and a yeah. geriatric. Yeah. Boner pills. So wait, hold on. Um Let's just be honest. The weakest part of this movie is any time that Stallone and the cop guy are in the car together talking. They have zero chemistry. They have less chemistry <clears throat> than Stallone and the Stelgetti. I shit you not. Because I, I watched 48 Hours a couple days ago. They're, they have the same line, the same exchange. When Taylor Kwan says to Jimmy Bobo... But if you step over the line, I'm going to bust your ass or whatever. Nick Nolte says the same exact thing to Eddie Murphy in 48 Hours. The same thing. But he calls him N-word, though, right? Well, that was before because <laughs> as racist <laughs> as that movie is, like by the end he's like, oh, you know, I didn't mean any of that stuff. I really like you. You're one of the good ones. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's bad, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. The 80s were a weird time. Yeah. So the actual description from IMDb, after watching their respective partners die, a New Orleans hitman and a Washington, D.C. detective form an alliance in order to bring down their common enemy. Funny part about that description, you don't see Detective Kwan's partner die. I don't even remember it being mentioned in the movie. yeah, Yeah, you do. It's the first guy they kill. Yeah. No, no. At the beginning. No, that's not his partner. That's yeah, it was. It was, that's the it was lead detective partner. in New Orleans. But who is his old partner? No, no. He's yeah, a his cop old from, partner. He's a cop old from partner. Washington D.C. Right. And his partner is disgraced, got fired, and that's why he's in New Orleans on a drug-fueled binge banging hookers. No, that guy. That do. guy was not a New Orleans cop. He was the ex-D.C. No, no, no. cop. Greeley. Greeley is, is his partner. He doesn't watch his Greeley die. The cop he sees die is the crooked chief of police in New Orleans. He knows yeah. that Greeley's dead, but he doesn't watch him die. He's not there. That's a terrible description. Shame on you, IMDb. You're getting mixed uh, up. I'm, I'm not. Listen, I, I question that, what I watch now. That yeah. two-thirds of us aren't in agreement with what happened well, I watched this twice in two days, so I can yeah. tell you. The guy that gets killed is the chief of police in New Orleans. In no, the no, no, no. The, no, the first guy. The, guy, the first guy that gets shot. Yeah, that's Greeley. But, Greeley. But Quan doesn't watch him die. It says, after watching their respective partners die. Well, he sees them both in the morgue. That, that's what I no, think they're referring that'd be to. that be seeing he's dead. His partner's in the morgue, and so is... Uh, uh, Listen, this is Joey. semantics, and this Joey. is incorrect wording. Is this the third movie we've done that Stallone's Joe? Well, his his name is Jimmy, but... Jimmy, oh, not yeah. Joe, Jimmy, sorry. Jesus. So presumably Jimmy. James, which is kind of weird for an eye tie, no? Yeah. 
We'll see. Oh, well, it might whatever. come up later. Okay. Who knows? Uh, let's get into the plot. I'm going to go through it pretty quick. As much as I love the movie, I'd rather talk about all the awesome shit that happens in it. So, this movie opens with Jimmy Bobo, Stallone, narrating, he's just saved a cop's life. Not something he traditionally does. In in film school, we call that in media res. Yes. We then cut to Bobo and his partner, Lu- Luis. Luis. They call Luis. him different names throughout the movie. Uh, pulling up to a hotel, they are there to snuff out who we later find out is Hank Greeley. Greeley is clearly disreputable because, one, he loves hookers, and, two, he loves cocaine. I'm sorry, yeah. disreputable? That yeah. just makes him human. That's not if, fair. If you don't love hookers and coke, then you're not American. I mean, that's just, that's right there in the Constitution, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know. So, they murder Hank Greeley. I think but, that's like the eight ball amendment. Whatever. There it was. See, I was going to do like the 420 amendment or the 69th amendment. And I'm like, well, nah, those aren't as good. Eight ball amendment. That worked. Yeah. Way sure. better. Guess. So they, they uh, murder Hank Greeley, but leave the hooker alive in the shower. By the way, this means absolutely nothing to the movie. It, it's nothing aside from him later mentioning it. Like she's at the police station, but of course doesn't roll over on them. It's such a useless plot point. It's a really weird one because, let's just be honest, you smoke that hooker 10 times out of 10. <laughs> that's just, that, that is really unbelievable hitman etiquette. Like, oh, this hooker seems like she's a solid broad. I'm going to let her go. It's, uh-uh. it's a really stupid plot point because the only time it's referenced again is essentially Taylor Kwan, the detective, who he ends up being partners with, which we'll talk about in a moment. For like him to psychoanalyze the guy that murders people for a living, yeah, which it's the uh, it's, flimsiest of callbacks. Yeah, no, no, no. That's not psychoanalysis. That's just a character in the movie telling you the subtext of a movie, making it explicitly text. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is dumb as shit. Okay, so let's just pause here for a second. We'll just pause for a second. I'm sorry, Thunderous Wizard, but when that happened, I fully expected the back tattoo thing to be a thing like, like, Oh, that's going to mean something that they, they, they catch Stallone looking at it. They frame the shot. It's very clear what he's the looking at. The cinema language. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Tells you this back tattoo is important. So, so I figured there was a gang or some kind of something that was going to be like referred to that he recognized it as being meaningful. But no, they literally beat you over the head with it, just like in some exposition as the characters. Again, the weakest part of this movie is anytime Sly and uh, uh, the cop guy are in the car together. He's like, you didn't kill that hooker because she has a tattooed like your daughter. See, I'm, I'm all smart and psychological. I, I saw that, and you recognized it too, you softy. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's... Uh... Listen. When the movie has a character there to explain what the cinema language is doing, not always the best for a movie. Yeah, yeah it doesn't nah. help. Anyway. So, post-execution, Bobo and Louise head to meet up with their contact, Ronnie Earl, who's played by Brian Van Holt, who you'd recognize if you like Sons of Anarchy. He gets nope. his back tattooed, essentially burned off with, with fire, with a uh, blowtorch. Pretty intense moment in the show. At the country bar, Luis is stabbed to death by Keegan, played by Jason Momoa. 
who then attempts to murder Bobo in the bathroom. But Bobo ain't having that shit. Quick question. Okay, okay, okay. Did they crib this from James Bond? This feels like it was very much like 2006 Casino Royale. They have the, the bathroom fight. Well, this is... I have a question about that later. So I don't want to cover it now. Because I want to talk about bathroom fights. Okay. Uh, because I really... This one's cool, but I don't... It, it's nowhere near the greatest bathroom fight. But my question was, was it clear by this point or even before that this movie was going to be awesome? Because I knew right away. And it basically came when Stallone shot the dirty cop, even though I didn't know he was a dirty cop at the time. But he shoots the guy in the head, breaks out the glass and hard stares <laughs> Detective Quan. And I was sold. Okay, I will tell you where this movie peaked for me, and that's when Jason Momoa surgically stabs Lewis. And I'm like, whoa, this seems intense. Like, Jason Momoa is, like, not just some big, you know, big thug-type physical presence. He's in there surgically stabbing people, like, quietly as an assassin at the bar. Yeah, three three shots on either side of the body into the lung region so he can't yell. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, this seemed, okay, for a second there, I thought this movie is going to be kind of intense and, and great, but no, that was like literally the peak. It kind of what petered out no, from no, there. No, mute, mute yourself. Mute yourself. Captain I, Cash. I, yeah, no, I, I actually kind of agree because none of the action pays off that hard. Are you Especially kidding? when you've got physical presence presences like the roided up Stallone at 66 and just Momoa in general. What is happening but right now? I just like none of the action is like it. It's there are like cool things that happen. A lot of them, but none of it's of none of cool it's stuff things. stuff we haven't seen before. And the fight scenes are like are cut together like it's like it's Batman Begins, where it's like there's a single cut that no single cut goes more than point five seconds. And what I would say is that in that bathroom fight that you were just alluding to, the Thunderous Wizard, uh, Stallone needed his Judge Dredd boots to stand <laughs> toe-to-toe with Momoa because... Momoa's like 6'4". <laughs> if any movie that we watched should have included a, a swirly, it was this one because <laughs> Stallone should have gotten smoked in the toilet by Momoa. But anyway. So I don't like where this is heading. Uh, your guys' <laughs> negativity is not great. Uh, I just want to reference that after his partner is killed by Momoa, he goes to the bathroom to murder Stallone, gets thrown through a fucking sink, and then Stallone literally yells, You motherfucker! And charges through the door. It's brilliant. Everything about this movie is awesome. And I knew it was going to be awesome at the very beginning, and I was definitely sold during the bathroom scene. And we're going to talk more about that later. So... We cut to Detective Kwan. He's a cop from D.C. who's tracking Greeley because he stole some evidence from a case he was investigating. That evidence ties the entire film together. By the way, evidence is so inconsequential. This movie is all about Stallone murdering people. I could give a shit less what the plot is. I'm here for roided up Stallone committing homicides up and down (laughs) Bourbon Street. So Bobo and Quan strike a necessary, albeit uneasy, partnership 
one that is full of cop platitudes and many off-color jokes. A lot of them. Mm. Quan gets the info because he's a millennial that has a Blackberry. Bobo takes out the trash. We go from Ronnie Earl, who gets whacked in a Turkish bathhouse, to Batiste, who's kidnapped from his own swanky sex masquerade, to Morell, who's behind the whole operation. He greased the congressman to get a real estate deal to go through because his evil plan, and stop me if you've heard this one before, guys, is gentrification. Truly the evilest of plans. Yeah. Lex Luthor is very impressed. He probably hangs out with Blonde Bison, if I had to guess. I think they're chummy, at least. But There's... does he walk in between the raindrops? Obviously not, because he's got he's a little hobbled. He's got a cane. He's kind of useless. He's not a tough guy at all, which is so weird that he tries to betray Jason Momoa at some point. Right, it's clear who's going to win that power you know, struggle. Like you've got the hobbled old guy who's like, I don't trust the psycho because he's not as you know worried about money as I think he should be. It's like, nope, he's not, and he's going to kill your ass. Yeah. Shouldn't that be a good thing? Because he doesn't care about money, he just does what well, you tell no, him to I, do. I mean, I think what he's really trying to say is that he doesn't trust him because he can't control him. Yes, like, some, I can't. Some I can't pay him enough to to you know, be loyal to me. He, he eventually will do whatever he wants to do. So he basically understands it. Like he'll probably kill me because he doesn't give a shit. Listen, some so, men can't be bought, can't be bargained with. Some yeah. men just want to watch the world get into an ax fight. That's true. Yep. Uh, but that being said, Morell, who took very careful steps to calculate this entire real estate boondoggle, Maybe you don't say to the guy who's a psychopath, when I want to hear your opinion, I'll buy you a brain. Oh, no. He signed his own death warrant right there. Not a good de- not a good idea. So that's all I'm saying. Nope. Hey, mentally unstable guy. I'm worried about being mentally unstable. Fuck you. Haha. How do you like them apples? Momoa is every bit uh, Cal Drogo in this movie. I take what I want, and I want what I take. Yeah, Here's my he, thing. Then he bent the guy over. And ate his sesame cakes. It was weird. Again, My not issue, the same guy. <laughs> definitely not Delroy Lindo, who was great in The Five Bloods. Um, but the problem with Momoa is there's not a lot of consistency in his characterization. He's this, not honorable, but he's the psychopath who's this, this blood knight who just who lives for battle. But he will also very happily assassinate a person just in the middle of a bar. And at no point does he become sort of like this, the boogeyman that the 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 movie needs him to be. Oh, he definitely did. For me, at least. Well, I, I agree with you to a degree there, Captain Cash. I mean, they definitely use him as a boogeyman. He's meant to be... Sort of like, ooh, we don't really understand this guy. He doesn't abide by the rules of man kind of thing. And he's supposed to be like the wild card. But yeah, this movie doesn't do that exceptionally well. He basically just turns into, eh, he does whatever the plot requires him to do to keep the movie moving. Exactly. And I mean, that results in some cool shit, but it doesn't necessarily make sense. You know what doesn't make sense? Your two negative Nancy's takes on this movie 
So, anyway, they kidnap Bobo's daughter. Also, not a good idea. Keegan goes rogue, which is the type of awesome, incredible sociopath Momoa content that I'm here for always. Uh, he just starts murdering people, including Morel. Uh, many more people get shot. One guy gets thrown from the rafters. A car gets blown up. Oh, and there's an axe fight. Yes. And we definitely have the final showdown in the restaurant from the Princess and the Frog. I mean, listeners, Listen, I've got you, the screenshot you guys can reference there. this. Uh, <laughs> we yeah, did I not mean, agree. I, I saw the screenshots. I saw the screenshots. I don't agree. But hey, Thunderous Wizard. I will say something. The way they framed that final showdown was excellent. And Momoa really does shine in that scene. That's uh, he, the one time yeah. for me his character really works because, you know, he's a little unhinged and he's he's out to challenge uh, Bobo. Jimmy, Jimmy Bobo. Bobo. Yeah. And Bobo. he and, and the way they, they set that up. That was actually pretty solid, and I definitely felt the 80s vibes there. Yep. That felt very, like, macho action movie. I'm like, oh, I, I know how I'm supposed to feel right now, and yes, I get it. I'm here for this. So here's what I'll say. To counter Captain Cash's point about he's, you know, he's this guy who's out to test his metal, and then he murders a guy in a bar. He basically kills people indiscriminately when they're not worthy of, of the fight, he gives Jimmy Bobo the chance to fight him because he thinks Jimmy Bobo's a worthy adversary. But he still wants to best him because Jimmy Bobo basically killed four of his men, screwed up this entire plan. You know, he threw a wrench in everything. And he's like, no, no, not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to make you watch me kill you. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not coming out this in a strategic way. Like, you're going to know that I was better than you. Which, again, I get it, but just as a character, he's mostly a plot device. Which is fine, but it, it makes it hard for me to feel a tremendous amount of catharsis when Stallone overcomes the young psychopath. Uh, I, I don't know. Alright, if that's how you want to be, I guess. But, the goddamn axe fight is incredible. Bobo, of course... Well, it doesn't technically win because he's helped out by the cop. Uh, good guys triumph over evil. Hooray. More cop platitudes. More of Sloane's awesome dry deliveries. Credits. This is the best movie of the year of our Lord 2012 by a wide margin. I'm sorry. Uh, Avengers can't hear you from all the money it's yeah, made. Yeah, well, guess what? Jimmy Bobo would not only kill Cap, he'd easily kill Iron Man, he'd kill the Hulk, he'd kill Hawkeye, no problem. He'd kill Black Widow in a New York minute. He well, does, First of all, he doesn't do women, second of all. Well, if she tries to kill him, he'll take her out. Second of all, everyone knows Hawkeye is the first one to get killed. That's not saying anything. No, Hawkeye's got no chance. No, I would argue Hawkeye probably has the best chance against Jimmy Bobo no, than anybody. Because no. he Jimmy can kill Bobo. him from a distance. Jimmy Bobo's got eyes in the back of his head. <laughs> Wait, does Jimmy Bobo walk through the, rain, the raindrops? We've already established this. First yes. of all, Jimmy Bobo is first cousin of John Rambo, who's the best bowman that ever lived. So <laughs> Hawkeye can take his weak shit to the carnival show. It's not happening. Ooh, them some fighting words. 
Have you ever seen Rambo 4? <laughs> Best bow I've ever lived. Best. I mean, I've tried not to, but I think I have. No, no. Well, Don't are we see in a five, Thanos and Ant-Man situation here? Can't Ant-Man just crawl up Jimmy Bobo's butthole and then come full size and nope. boom, done? Have, when you're on that you, much HGH, listen. there's no penetration point. Oh, Ant-Man so would like, be squished between the cheeks, dead, done, over. Sphincter of steel. Okay. Yes. That that theory, I believe, was called the Thanos theory. I believe this theory would be the Bobo butthole theory. Yes. The Bo, Bo Butthole. butthole. <laughs> exactly. Satan's anus? What? Yeah. I'm I'm just telling you, you're not getting up there. No way. No how. Oh, I'm getting up there. Okay. So, uh first question. We you guys have basically covered the good, the bad, and the ugly. You guys didn't really like this as much as I did, which I think this is one of the great action movies of the early two thousand tens. How many beers are required to watch this movie? I mean, honestly, it's not that bad a film. It just doesn't feel like enough happens. So for me, it's four, right? It's, you know, I have a couple beers and maybe the action scenes seem a little bit more engaging. But, like, I don't need to get blacked out drunk, but it's also not so engaging that I need fewer than three drinks to, like, have a good time. Yeah, no, I'm basically on the same page with you there, Captain Cash. I'd give this three beers. I mean, it's not a bad action movie. It's not a great movie, but it's not a bad action movie. And I will say that it does have some interesting aspects to it, but much like the, the, you know, the comment earlier where I was expecting that back tattoo to pay off more, I kept waiting for this movie to have like another layer to it. And it doesn't. It's literally like exactly what's on the tin. It's real straightforward. There's no real subtlety uh, to the plot, which, again, I was expecting a twist at some point, but there's not one. It's okay, so here's my thing. Unless, unless you consider the love angle to be a twist, which it's clearly no, not. No, that's, that's the worst part of the movie, by the way. Yeah. The, the titular bullet to the head. Is that a reference to how Momoa's character dies? Because that's all I can figure. No, he says it. He he actually says the movie title. Well, to I know Taylor Kwan. Yeah, I mean, he shoots a lot that, of people but... in the head. He I shoots Christian Slater in the Taylor head. Kwan. He shoots Hank Greeley in the head. He shoots the cop in the head. That's just his thing. Why? Yeah, I mean, because he's fucking awesome. I just there's not. Yeah, that's fine. It just thematically. I wouldn't have like, man. It doesn't. It's also the name of the inspiration for the movie. Yeah, I guess close. Lead in the head or whatever. Which is, yeah, bullets are made of lead. So. Yeah, I well, they used to be, but I don't know. You're looking at this movie far too seriously. That's your problem. This movie's not good. I can readily admit that, but it's sure as hell a lot of fun. Because Stallone beats up the guy at the bathhouse. He does, you know, he shoots a lot of people in the head. He he talks gruff. It's I love it for that. So for me, you know, I'll give you three fingers of bullet bourbon because that's what this movie deserves to be uh, watched with anyways. And that's all you need. You sip it the whole time. It's great. Which leads me into should this have flopped? I'll just say uh, no. No, this should not have flopped. There's so many bad action movies 
Jason Statham stars in a lot of them. Uh, there's plenty of other bad action movies that have come out in between 2010 and 2020 that this was far better than. And for a $40 million budget, no, it should not have flopped. And it flopped really hard. I can't say that I don't think it deserved a flop because it didn't really work for me. I, at the end of the day, like I, I get you're doing the the grizzled old guy who's got a, a sensibility about himself. But I almost think if you'd have switched it where you had Stallone as Keegan and Momoa as uh, Bobo, which obviously you couldn't keep the names, that that would have been at least a little bit more interesting because this is very clearly a throwback movie. But the problem is you've brought one of the people from that throwback era in and you haven't done anything to update the the whole 80s grindhouse, punchy, punchy, smashy, smashy. And it doesn't go any, there's, as Chumzilla has said, there's, there's not more than just that, which isn't enough. But the Expendables worked really yeah, well. But not, well, also not that well reviewed, but. I, I would argue that the Expendables does have a hook to it. And the hook there is the straight up nostalgia of having all the faces that you recognize and to Captain Cash's point about being a callback or a throwback movie to the, to the grindhouse 80s punchy punchy stuff. Yeah, but all those movies sort of had an angle. They had a hook. They had a gimmick. They had a this is that movie, this is that movie. Like they all did something that was their signature whatever. And in this movie, I mean, I guess they kind of do it. You've got the bullet bourbon thing and the kind of the gruff like old uh, you know, when product placement is your hook, mm. right? But it's not enough to carry the movie and make it stand out. And I think that's where it suffers. Like it's definitely um, tonally, it definitely feels like those older movies, but it doesn't have like that signature hook to differentiate it from just being generic action. This is such a downer pod. I thought you guys would like this way more. I was super excited. <sighs> I love it. It was movie. better than Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. That's true. It was better I, than Judge Dredd by a wide margin. Also true. That is not true. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Judge Dredd is weird enough that it's better than this movie because this movie is not weird at all. There's no good action scenes in that movie whatsoever. I'm sorry. The first the first scene, the opening scene, the block war scene. It's not a good, is, it's not a good action scene. It's, is it's shot terribly. He carries this giant gun and just goes... And shoot a giant gun back and forth with no visual flair whatsoever. The block war is just as disastrous as every other poorly framed action scene in that movie. Now. I knew you'd say that. Yeah. Speaking of action scenes, where would his initial confrontation with Jason Momoa rank in the pantheon of bathroom fights? So on the high end, you've got Mission Impossible with Henry Cavill reloading his fists. On the low end, you have whatever the hell happened in Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li. Oh my god. I do have other options if you'd like to hear them. Okay, well, let me say this. In the pantheon of bathroom fights, the top one is still Eastern Promises with Viggo Mortensen. That's, That's the best one. That's a bathhouse fight, which is a whole separate category. That's, that's you sub-genre. you picked you picked bathroom fight. This was bathhouse fight.
See, it's totally different. You can't straight up urinate or defecate in a bathhouse. Like, you have to go to the bathroom to do that. That's a fair... Okay, so with that caveat, I would put this at a... uh, Honestly, I would put it slightly below the initial fight scene in Casino Royale. Because Casino Royale came out geez, six years before this, and it feels very much like, look, this is how tough and angry we're going to be. We're going to have him, like, drown a guy in the sink. You're going to smash through the walls and shit. That's how this is. And I just, it's sort of, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's tough, and they they do a lot of, like, mean shit, but it's also stuff I've seen other places. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, Chubzilla? Well, I would put this ahead of the swirly fight and stop or my mom will shoot. But, yeah, I will agree with Captain Cash. I'll put this just below the bathroom fight in Casino Royale. So that's, I mean, uh, it was okay, but it wasn't like a signature bathroom fight. No, not a signature bathroom fight. I really like, though, when because of how he yells, you motherfucker, and charges through the door. Also, Jason Momoa falls through the sink after he gets his legs kicked out from under him. It's short. It's brutal. I really like it for that. But it's not better than the bathroom fight in True Lies with the Jack Terrorist. And it's I wouldn't even say it's better than when Michael Myers kills Joe Grizzly in the truck stop bathroom in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Solely because Joe Grizzly looks at Michael Myers and says, I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. And then gets murdered. Yeah. Also, you've got Arnold and the T, uh, Terminatrix, and Terminator 3 fighting a bathroom. And don't forget TJ's fight with uh, the blonde guy, Kevin Nash. That's not a bathroom, though, really. He's yeah, in a bathroom. Yeah, it is. There's a toilet thing. explicitly involved. You have to be in the bathroom. It was an apartment with a bathroom. Like if, you, bathroom. if you said Jason Lee fighting the uh, shit burglar... And Dreamcatcher, that's the bathroom. Can I, oh, can I, can shit I, weasel, get it right. Can I do mine? I, I feel like this is basically at the Austin Powers level. Who does number two work for? That's about where this is. I feel like that's a compliment. My next question is bigger badass, Momoa or Stallone? I mean, in the film? Uh, yes. Ugh. So we're saying Keegan or, or Bobo. I guess you could measure their whole careers. Who's the bigger badass? Well, that's not fair. Because Stallone's got, like, how many extra years on well, Momoa? One of, them played a, one of them played a god. So, so yeah, yeah, I guess that I, counterbalances the extra years. I, I think one of the things about this movie that probably hurts it is that the character of Keegan is inherently more interesting than Bobo. That's like there's true. an air of mystery yep. around yep. him, and yep. they describe him as being like some like African like terrorist with no ambiguous Morel was the African terrorist. Keegan was a special forces guy that basically got uh, out and wanted yeah, but, to but, just murder people. Yeah, my point is like uh, he, he has like ambiguous motivations. He's a loose cannon. And he's, it's the old Black Panther Killmonger problem. He's got an air of mystery around him, and Bobo's just like, hey, I'm just an old uh, hitman. I, you know, I'm just here doing what I do, and I'm tough. Got to protect my daughter. 
Yeah, uh, I'll kill people for half too, but I'm not totally bad. I'm, it's like, it's I'm, like, all right, I get this dude's deal, but the other guy was kind of like, hey, this guy's a loose cannon. I don't know what he's going to do. He he could be interesting. Also, he's played by Momoa. Ultimate, so, yeah. Ultimately, I mean, wasn't. Let's be fair. But yeah, and he's enormous in this movie. Like he's not super jacked. He's not like like roided out, but you know you can clearly tell that his six foot three frame towers over most of the other actors. Whatever Stallone was importing to the set, Momo was like, "Nah, dude, I'm cool. I don't." I, you want to get in on this HGH? Yeah, it's it's yeah. not really a steroid. He's like, "Nah, nah, I'm just I'm just big. It's cool." Yeah, it'll make yeah, your I, hat size grow and maybe your feet, but other than that, you'll be fine. Definitely your hands. But anyway, um, what I will say about this movie that differentiates it from some of the other movies that we've done with Stallone is that they do not go out of their way to try to like reinforce parity between Stallone and Momoa. Like Momoa is clearly bigger than everyone else in this movie in several scenes. They don't Which hide his height at all. for your boogeyman. That within itself is an ego stroke because it's, Stallone's going to best this guy who's markedly bigger than he is in the end. Like, it's purposeful. Yeah. And I I know we'll get there, but I'll just say, I think, honest speaking, uh, Momoa's reach would be a killer advantage in an axe fight. So you're picking Momoa. Uh, Momoa is a bigger badass than Stallone at this point, and probably ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, well, I think that's, again, back to my point, I think that's one of the problems with the movie is, like, he's not only, like, bigger than Stallone markedly, but he's, like, you kind of, like, want to know, you get interested in his character. Like, I sort of want to know more about that guy. And I think, actually, the fact that this is now eight years old and Momoa's career has taken off since then, you know, the whole Aquaman thing. Like now, it's tough to like watch this movie and not expect more out of his character. Like, you're like, hey, I expect and more out of him. Momoa's really not in it for that much. Well, no, I mean, he's not. He, and he doesn't do a whole lot. He he's just kind of a generic good, villain. He, they sold yeah. him as being pretty tough, and he easily could have turned into some other hackneyed action star because of this movie. And by the way, like after Game of Thrones, like he was hurting like he's talked about it like he was broke and he was living on credit cards and i'm glad he got a shot in this movie because he's awesome in this movie and he's awesome in aquaman and he's awesome in everything else he's a good dude so yeah he's got the it factor for sure like he brings like charm and charisma to the role My and man. You, made, you made the comment earlier about jason statham being in all these shitty action movies uh Jason Momoa could have easily gone the same path and just been like in a bunch of easily. shitty crank or uh, what, what's the wild what's, card or no, safe. What's, what, no, what's the other transporter? Uh, transporter. Yeah. He could be doing transporter knockoffs from now until eternity and just cashing those checks and he'd be fine. And Jason Momoa is an awesome guy, which is another reason I really love this movie. Yeah. So best action scene of the film you guys seem sort of lukewarm on most of them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I really, I don't. Nothing stands out where I'm like, "Oh, you got to see this." Are you? What the hell is happening right now? The axe fight, for one, the whole ending, for one, is great. Okay. It, there's the, so many quick cuts that I just. 
Like I feel yeah, like I'm he, on. I I'm, I have massive amounts of yeah. ADHD. Yeah. The, the closest thing to this movie that we've watched so far is Thomas Jane's Punisher, and the action in that movie was so much slicker. It might have uh, been slicker, smoother. but it was also like, more sparse because there's barely any action in that movie. Yeah, fair. And there's also yeah, a rubber like, body. The Kevin Nash fight is great. It's a yeah. thing that yeah. dragged like it. It's a fight, and I don't get that in this axe thing at all. It, I would yeah. say I, I didn't feel the axe fight in this one, so I'll just answer your question real quick here, Thunder Wizard. I will go with the bar slash bathroom fight yes. because at that point. It. And here's why I will also make this like a left-handed compliment. At that point, like that sets the movie up for like some pretty interesting stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. This seems interesting. This could go somewhere. It doesn't. Yeah. But at that point, like it felt like it was building towards something that was going to pay off later. Pay off more so than an axe fight. But anyway. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I'm in agreement there. Uh, I, I mean, I don't agree with you guys, obviously. But... I would Fair. say the, the the very direct comparison point is the pod we did that Captain Cash didn't appear on, and it's from Paris with Love. Those action scenes for an older action star, and John Travolta is not really an action star, are framed a lot better than most of the scenes in this movie. And most of the action scenes in that movie are better than the action scenes in this movie. I'm just saying right now, on the record... Jimmy Bobo prays to God every night he doesn't run into Charlie Wax. I'd still pick Charlie Wax, yeah. Yeah, 100% I'm picking Charlie Wax. 10 times out of 10, my money's on Charlie Wax. Charlie Wax doesn't give a shit about customs. He's bringing in whatever the hell he wants. He he is transcontinental. Uh, He goes from country to country. Doesn't matter. If you need somebody murdered in Bangladesh, Charlie Wax is there. Bobo can't handle that. And, I just and realized Charlie Wax that... will do it while banging a hooker and carrying a vase of cocaine around. True. Because Charlie Wax doesn't give a fuck. I just realized that the name Charlie Wax is a pun. And that that frustrates me. There you go. You could have you could have really commented on this if you appeared on that pod. So I have two questions left before we take our first break. Uh, best one-liner or quip of the film. I do have options, but I'm also open for suggestions. Listen, I'll take options because this movie ain't that quippy. Okay, you got nice going, odd job. Oh, so racism. That's what we're leading with. Well, yeah. it's just the first on the list. Listen, I, no, I don't I have any other folks. Racist <laughs> ones. <laughs> to the thunderous wizard's defense, I think he earlier described some of the lines in this movie as off color and yeah i'd like to basically just say that that's a euphemism for racist there there are some anti-asian jokes in this movie but that's okay that's uh par for the course i think that's what they were going for sure it is they achieved it like it wasn't like subtle it was over the top they were meant to be offensive like hey look at this guy he's not pc he says it was the character it was the character yeah and also why this movie is Another another forty eight hours. <laughs> Yet again, we have another forty eight hours. Like that's what this movie is, and unfortunately, it was made twenty two years later after another forty eight hours. But yike, it doesn't hold. I mean, those comments don't really uh, age well. But no. anyway, moving on. So you've got guns don't kill people, bullets do. You've got. 
give him a Band-Aid and a blow pop. You got- I mean, that's mine. That's what I'm going to go with. Because also, yeah. it, in context, it, it vaguely sounds like Sylvester Stallone is suggesting that his daughter uh, give Quan a blowjob, which, I mean, you know, way, way to have an open mind there, I guess. And she clearly does later yeah. in the movie. She's smart. Um, Quan sucks. He's a big wimp. Oh, but I think she falls for his guiles. But yeah, that was my favorite line. I even texted it to the Thunderous Wizard while watching it because that stuck out to me. Because, it, frankly, that's the closest Stallone's Bobo comes to uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, you know, in this movie. Because, again, another gruff, tough action hero from that era that doesn't really talk in anything except for, like, vague platitudes and one-liners. And, yeah, I, I think that's... Yeah, that almost falls into that category of classic 80s cheesy one-liners, almost. It's not quite there, but it's the closest this movie gives us. It's... My favorite is Bang Down Owned because it's... It's infinitely quotable. Uh, It comes after he has this confrontation with uh, Quan about pulling the firing pin out of his out of his pistol, and he beats him up, and and he's like, "Oh, it's been a long time since I've assaulted a cop." And then he says, "Bang down, owned." I love it, but I love every for for the most part every one-liner that he says, aside from the off-color stuff, which doesn't age well. That's true at all no but i i will give the movie credit though they give you like at least like half a dozen versions of the racist asian comments they they really go for variety so oh they settle right in and write a lot of them yeah (laughs) which is why again this is an 80s movie that was not made until 2012 and is way out of time but the violence is great so yeah and i will give your chosen one-liner uh some additional props thunderous wizard that's probably the only line that i think sly could deliver if he'd had a stroke while filming yes so for sure like which was probably a distinct possibility considering his i'm sure just astronomical blood pressure uh while making this movie (laughs) and uh here's my favorite question before the break is the axe fight between Keegan and Bobo the best ever use of an axe for the specific purpose of murdering someone ever put to film? And again, I have options. We've got the Paul Allen murder in American Psycho. We've got the Tomahawk murder in the woods during The Patriot. We've got the ambush in The Last of the Mohicans. We've got Howie Long doing all manner of axe shit in Firestorm. We've got the Foot Clan attempting to murder the Turtles and instead burning down April O'Neil's uh, antique store in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You've got the murder of the terrorist and collateral damage, which I put on here only because I love you, Arnold. That movie sucks, but I'm sorry. At least I included it on the list. You've got The Shining. Here's Johnny. And you've got literally anything Gimli does in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I'll just say I think you made a huge omission here, and I'm going to go with the axe fight from Deadpool. Oh, 
Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, those Boom. are just my answers. So. so, yeah, I mean, listen. As much as I want to say Gimli, because I fucking love Lord of the Rings, I, there is still no more cinematic axe thing than chopping through the door and here's Johnny. That's that's the gold standard of axe work in a film. Yeah, I, I you know, I that is true. But it's not a full-on axe fight, though. It, this is it's not an axe but, fight. But it's that's using axe. an axe. Built there is palpable. But yeah, I mean, it's not a straight-up axe fight. But it's literally using an axe with the intent of murdering somebody. He was going to murder his family with that axe. Now, does it happen mm. in The Shining? No. Which is why I chose American Psycho, because Christian Bale, hovering behind uh, Jared Leto, talking about Huey Lewis in the news as sports... Sports, playing hip yeah. to be square while putting on the rain slicker and then murdering him is by far the best use of an axe for the specific purpose of murdering someone in a movie we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll be the first to admit that American Psycho is not like high art, but it's a very good movie, and Christian Bale is amazing as a sociopath in that. Like that scene, and there's a couple other scenes where you see him just completely, like, you know, uh, dissolve himself yeah. into the character and just to be like a madman. It's fantastic. Like, it's it's literally like the best part of that movie is how bonkers he is, and that scene has that aspect in spades. Just remember, Vampire's Kiss was the proto American Psycho. Oh, very much was. Yes, and. So if you love American Psycho and you've never watched Vampire's Kiss, which we did on the pod, please do. So that's yeah. going to lead us into our first break. We come back. We've got the bang down owned trivia challenge. Welcome back to the 85th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. We are on to our bang down owned bullet to the head trivia challenge. To chime in, simply say, I just did. Or any other of the great Stallone quotes throughout this movie. I'll accept any of them because there are many. What, what are the non-racist ones? There's plenty. Thanks, Confucius. Yeah. Like a bullet to the head. He says that during the movie, so... That's acceptable. He says the name of the movie in the movie. Oh, man. Yeah. Roll credits. So, number one, with an opening of just $4.5 million, Bullet to the Head was Stallone's worst opening weekend haul in 32 years and the second worst of all time. What was the film that was worse than it? Was it A, Victory? Was it B, Rhinestone? Was it C, Nighthawks? Or was it D, Staying Alive? Bullet to the head? Captain Cash. I, well, I we're doing Staying Alive because he was the producer on that, right? Well, he's in it, too. Oh, he that's right. It, briefly. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Nighthawks. Nighthawks is correct. Booyah! Nighthawks, wow. by the way, good movie. Stallone has a beard, and he faces off with Rutger Hauer. I highly recommend Nighthawks. 
I thought you guys would say later. Rhinestone, where he's a country singer, but no. I was going to go Rhinestone, yes. Yeah. That would have been my guess 100%. So you guys knew about the Thomas Jane thing. Is that what I'm together based on the beginning of the spot? No. What Thomas Jane thing? I, I, I did. Okay, uh, so I'm skipping that. So essentially, listeners, uh, producer Joe Silver felt that the cast needed to be more diverse, which is why Soon Kang replaced Thomas Jane as Stallone's foil. So Thomas Jane was casted to be in this movie, and when they changed directors, he was tossed out. Yeah, I mean, they, they wanted to apply to the international market, so they wanted someone of Asian descent in the movie to make it more I actually, diverse. I kind of yeah. like that they went out of their way to be like, oh, so where are you from originally? It's like, I'm America. I'm American. This yeah. Is, well, up. he's Korean in the movie. Yep. No, no, he's not. He calls he's... him a samurai and he says, samurais are Japanese. I'm Korean. Korean. He's yeah. American, right, but... but he has Korean ancestry. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, I'm sorry. He's of yeah. Korean descent, yeah. but still... I appreciated that stuff that like it wasn't just two white dudes. Plus, I Thomas Jane had already been the Punisher at that point, so it's kind of like, like, and the, the I, thing I, I think is not... they should have done more with that role. They should have done more with the cop role because yeah. he just seems all. Like, to, I think you made the comment earlier, and and the Thunder Wizards called it another forty-eight hours. So it's like what seventy-two hours anyway. Um, they should have used him more. And I think you would have gotten a bigger interest from overseas markets if he had been more involved in the action. Here's the biggest problem anyway. with Detective Taylor Kwan. I have no problem with the actor or the choice is he got zero of the good lines. Now, in 48 hours, Nick Nolte is his own person. Like, yeah, he's he's racist in some scenes, but he still gets to have scenes where he's you like him, he's just not interesting. Whereas Eddie Murphy in 48 Hours owns the Stole movie. Stole the show. Yeah. yeah. So that's the biggest discrepancy to yeah. me is he's just kind of there and it's Stallone's show and he's just kind of sitting there. And it's explicitly Stallone's show. Yes. And like his contribution is like, look, I can work a phone. Yeah. I can Google things. That's his entire, and also being a dumbass. Because he's still like, oh, I'm going to bust this guy. And he's calling people who, you know, like if he asked alone, he'd clearly know we're not. Besides the point. Because obviously the cops are dirty. He should have known that. They were probably in the manifest that he read through. Just just hold hold up. You're right. I don't know if this will come up later, so I'm going to say it now. Dude should have known the cops are dirty from the moment the cops tried to kill him in the parking garage. (laughs) You should have instantly not trusted anyone. You should have trusted no one except for maybe Stallone at a distance at that point. And yet because he, he was he was clearly burnt. He From there on out, he was clearly burnt. He continues to call the police. Yeah, that, it's so weird because I get again. Gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this because this is probably more than anyone else in the history of humanity has thought about this movie. But I kept waiting for him to double cross the cops and feed them bad information. I'm like, why is he continuing to like give those like panicked updates to the cops? Like, there must be a reason. He must be trying to lead them off the path, or there's got to be a payoff for that. No, no. he's literally just a dipshit and still telling the cops, no. like, hey, even though you guys tried to kill me, here's what I'm doing, just so you guys can keep tabs on me. Thanks. He he's just such a up. straight man, and you're not supposed to like him at all. He continues to betray Stallone. 
for the betterment of his own career. Like it's really, I mean, I don't even think it's that. I think it's just like, uh, I better give my bosses an update because yuck, yuck. He's just a I'm boy a scout. Yeah. Cop. yeah, he's just not interesting. So number two, no. anyway, Stallone sorry. as Jimmy Bobo received a Razzie nomination for Worst Actor. Who did he lose the award to? Now, I'll mm. give you bonus points if you can name the movie. Okay. Was it A, Jaden Smith? Was it B, Adam Sandler? Was it C, Ashton Kutcher? Or was it D, himself? Uh, bullet to the head. Uh, I think it was A, Jaden Smith for After oh, Earth. Damn that is that's what I was going to say. Two points for Chumpzilla. Oh, so, that was 100% what I was thinking. These are literally... A- after Earth. Yeah. <laughs> after Earth. After Earth. These are literally all the other candidates. Adam Sandler was nominated for Grown Ups 2. Ashton Kutcher was nominated for Jobs, which is the movie about Steve Jobs that was not good. Oh, my gosh. And he himself was nominated for three movies. Yes. Grudge Match and Escape Plan being the other two. So it is two to one, Chumpzilla. We are at number three. After disagreeing with Stallone over how dark the movie should be, this director departed the project. Was it A, Simon West of Con Air fame? Was it B, Wayne Kramer of Running Scared and the Cooler fame? Was it C, Taylor Hackford from Blood In, Blood Out and Dolores Claiborne fame? Or was it D, Guy Ritchie of Name Your British Gangster Movie fame? Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, please. Yes, preferably. Yeah. Snatch is okay. Snatch is good, too. Rock and roll is good, too. I can repeat those if necessary. Yeah, do it again. Because so, I, I have thoughts, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay, it's A, Simon West, B, Wayne Kramer, C, Taylor Hackford, or D, Guy Ritchie. Boom through the head. Taylor Hackford? Incorrect. Damn. Uh, bullet to the head, uh, Kramer. It is Wayne Kramer. Wayne yeah. Kramer. By the way, Running Scared is an exceptional movie, and so is The Cooler. So I would watch both of those. That's just my you know personal recommendations. Running Scared is probably Paul Walker's best movie, and The Cooler is very good too. William H. No, is, is The Cooler a uh, Roadhouse prequel? Sort of, because he's okay. a guy that works in a casino that makes sure that people don't win. That's why he's The Cooler. Like When he stands uh... by them, his presence is so toxic they lose. So he's like, he's like the opposite of Domino. Yeah. Yep. From Deadpool. Okay. Exactly. So it is cool, cool. three to one, Chumzilla. We're on number four. This was director Walter Hill's return to the directing chair. He had not directed a movie since 2002. It, coincidentally, was one that starred Stallone's demolition man nemesis, Wesley Snipes. Name that movie. Was it A, Undisputed? Was it B, Unstoppable? Was it C, The Art of War? Or was it D, Murder at 1600? I am the Captain Cash. Uh, C? It is not the art of war. You are incorrect. I'm going to go with D then. It is not Murder at 1600. It was Balls. Undisputed, the movie where he prison boxes Ving Rhames. Huh. Hmm. We remain at three to one. Captain Cash, you're not out of it because there is a bonus question. Oh, damn. Number five, Stallone's character 
in this film shares multiple connections, really coincidences, to his 1991 film Oscar. Which one of these is not one of them? A. The character's proclivity to drink bullet bourbon. B. He has a daughter named Lisa. C. Hitmen are central to the plot of the film. Or D. He references working for Jumpin' Jimmy Bonomo. Same name, different nicknames. Uh, I, I am the law? Like, wait, what was the question? Which one does he do? Does yeah. not. Does not. Well, it's A. Yes, there is no... That's 100%. Yep, there's no character in uh, Oscar who Oscar. likes drinking bullet bourbon. In Captain Cash, I'm sorry, I'm going to take a quick aside here. This is not story time with Uncle Chumzilla, but I, I would like the Thunderous Wizard, again, to, to explain to us that there is an Oscar reference in Wayne's World that I was not aware of until this pod. It's when he goes to retrieve Cassandra from her video shoot where she's got the python around her neck. He does the Oscar speech. Yeah. With, uh, with evil Rob Schneider. Wait, no, not Rob Schneider. Rob Lowe. Whatever. Uh But yeah. And the worst thing is I I don't even like, I never learned to read. I guess I got to still post that to the social. I I did not do it. So wait a minute. The other thing I have to ask. So you're telling me that Oscar, and the Hudsucker Proxy are different movies? Yes. Very different movies. One of them okay. is good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and it's not Oscar. I, I, for some reason, I thought those were the same movies. And I realized, no, Stallone's also in a movie where he's like, not supposed to be in business, but he's in business. So, here's what I'm going to do, because you're down now four to one. Yeah, I can't win this. That's I'm going right. to make this question worth four points. It's oh boy, a bonus yes, question. Uh, Rock and jock 50-point basket, yeah. here we come. So bonus question. Adewale, Ikunue, Agbaje, and John Cena, who played Luis, co-starred in the Thunderous Wizards' favorite show. Can you name it? Uh, nope. I, I, th- I, think that, I think that was Oz. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. Chumzilla gets it. Uh, and I'd, obviously, I'd also like to point out that that's John Cena, yeah. not John Cena. Yeah, John Cena. He uh, was Dino Ortolani, did not last long in Oz, so don't get too attached. He's also kind of a scumbag in that show, but so is Adebisi, who... Well, so is everybody in that show. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point of that show, right? So, great show. Again, if you've never watched it, I highly recommend it. Chubbsdale, I have good news. Not only have you won Jimmy Bobo's knee brace from the Turkish bathhouse fight. Sweet. Because he's he's most explicitly wearing a knee brace in this fight. I can relate to that. Yep. You've also won Christian Slater's wolf mask from his sexy masquerade. Listen, I don't don't want you guys in a come to my bachelor party. You'd have known the masks that they're wearing are just random shit you can buy on Bourbon Street. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Or, well, that's clearly what it is. That's explicitly what they do in the movie. No, yeah. I, my point is the costuming department didn't like go over the top. They literally just walked down the most touristy part of Bourbon Street and went, yeah, give me like uh, 20 of them masks. They're different ones. Can I get him in both? Whatever. And then just yeah. slap him on the ass. Just give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you've got. Uh, so, so wait. So 
again, I think we're kind of selling this short here. Yeah, Christian Slater's got the fox mask, but what what was going on with Momoa's mask? He had like the evil, sexy black fox. That's what I like. He had the arrogant bastard now mask. Whatever. It's like a demon. Like bad daredevil. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, do recommendations and uh, tell you what's coming up next week. Hello and welcome back to the 85th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by RevengeTheFans.com and this is our final segment, Recommendations. Gentlemen, what do you have on tap for this week? We'll start with Chumpzilla. All right, folks, we've talked about a lot of Stallone movies throughout this last month of Stop or My Mom. Wait, no, it was Tango and Captain Cash. Whatever. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Stop or My Cash Will Shoot. Yeah, whatever. We've talked about a ton of Stallone movies, some good, some bad, and some that won't be on the pod because they actually made money. And one of those is definitely First Blood, a.k.a. the first Rambo movie. And yes, by Rambo 3, the character had completely been transformed into basically a a caricature of itself. But that first movie is really a downer. It's, It's a character study. And it's one of Stallone's better movies, frankly. I mean, I put it up there with the first Rocky in terms of like, I think people forget how good of an actual movie it was. It wasn't just a ridiculous over-the-top action thing. It was actually like a decent movie and a character study. And uh, you can find it online. The uh, original ending is super, super dark. Um, and I so I suggest watching First Blood and finding the alternate ending online and watching that because it's some of Stallone's best work. And it's really, it's actually a good movie. It's not a tough action thing. It's a character study. The biggest mistake Stallone ever did was try to be some version of Arnold and compete with Arnold on some level of like big bound muscle action star because both Rocky and First Blood are not, action movies in the traditional sense they're they're very much yeah they're character studies and they're dramatic and like stallone's not a bad actor and he's a smart dude why would you even try to like oh i mean i can put on some weight and you know it's uh, i I don't get it i think the biggest argument you can make against this movie is, is they're not super smart and they're not super complicated but that's okay that's not their thing there's not a catch there's not a twist they're just straightforward POV movies, basically, but they carry a ton of emotional weight. It, uh, I, I totally understand what both of you guys are saying, and he tells a, you know, I in something I posted uh, on the Stop or My Mom Will Shoot uh, uh, social was. He talked about being at the Golden Globes with Arnold and basically like winning the Golden Globe for best picture for Rocky and like starting this macho contest with Arnold. And it was such an ego thing that I think he got lost in his own head with a lot of that stuff. Now, you know, obviously Sly, you know, he wrote movies, he produced movies. He's a much different entity than Arnold. I love them both. 
I think Arnold's a better action star. I, you know, certainly that's disputable, but it's definitely a purely ego thing, and it was probably a wrong move, and you're right about that, because he didn't have to be that. He could be so much more. So He could have been so much more. That's what kills me. Well, I, I think part of it, though, is the fact that Arnold was able to do so much. It's the volume of work that Arnold got and the the amount of money that it generated, I can see where the envy sprouted in Stallone. He's like, man, like if that guy can do it with nothing but a big frame and a bad accent, then I should be able to do so much more. And so to I, be fair, a tremendous amount of charisma. And right, but right. For, and, yeah. and they're both charismatic guys. They both have their charms. But I think he just saw what Arnold was able to do, and he's like, well, if that guy can do it, I can do it. But you know, the, and yeah, I think that's yeah. part of it. It's not, it's not just pure competition. It's more like, well, hey, wait a minute. If that guy can do that, then I should be able to do at least that much. And, you know, I should be able to match his, you know, output. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would I would argue, though, back to my recommendation, I would argue that I don't think Arnold has a first blood. I don't think oh. Arnold has a Rocky. He really doesn't. So Stallone should take, you know you know, umbrage there and realize that like, Hey man, like, don't worry about the box office numbers. Don't worry about T2 and, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's, what's the movie with, uh, Jamie, uh, Lee Curtis. True lies. True lies. True lies. Don't worry about those movies, man. Uh, like, I w- Arnold doesn't have a Rocky. Arnold doesn't have a first blood, but there's no Arnold movie where like, there's no, three. there's no movie Rocky where like, where, like Arnold's a serious actor and he did really well and carried it. No. He doesn't have well, that, except for maybe Commando. I would argue that uh, yeah. I would argue that the Terminator he carries that like is, a giant log on his shoulder is Boom. just as important to the legacy of the eighties. Uh, now, First Blood obviously culturally more relevant, but the Terminator is a really important movie, and Terminator Two is the standard bearer of action movies ever. Yeah, it changed the whole. Two is one of the greatest movies of all time, just on principle. Yeah, like it's technical. And cultural significance are like unrivaled. Listen, Jim Cameron does a lot of things, but fuck up ain't one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, give me that James Cameron Spider-Man movie. So, Captain Cash, what's your recommendation? So, just came out on D plus. Uh, there's the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. It listen, it's dumb. It's dumb, but it's kind of fun. I, I sat and watched it, and I'm like, yeah, okay. All that Lego Star Wars stuff has been good. I think that's perfectly in uh, all of our wheelhouses and probably all of our listeners' wheelhouses. My recommendation is the aforementioned Walter Hill classic 48 Hours. Mm. Uh, I don't think it is the greatest mismatch buddy cop action comedy of all time, but certainly... There was a moment in time where it was probably considered that. It was getting close, yeah. Now, Thunderous Wizard, are you saying that only because we'll be doing the best mismatched buddy cop comedy movie next week? Uh, that's the thing. Like Tango and Cash is not really the best mismatched uh, cop comedy ever. I mean, obviously, oh, no. Lethal, Weapon, Lethal Weapon is better. Obviously, uh, Last Action Hero makes quite a bit of fun of movies like Tango and Cash. But uh, 48 Hours is great, if not for anything, 
uh, it's just for watching the comedic genius of Eddie Murphy. And this is what launched his basically career into the stratosphere. So when he was on Saturday Night Live, and obviously he did stand-up shows, he gets this movie and he becomes probably the biggest star of the 1980s and into the early 90s. And yes, there's humor that really doesn't float now, but at least at the end of it, the the lead character, which would be Nick Nolte, understands he was kind of a prick, which you don't really get in Bullet to the Head. But Jack Cates in 48 Hours definitely gets that. Um, now this movie holds extra significance for Chumpsilla, Captain Cash, and I because the line, new sheriffs in town, we should all remember very fondly because we used to walk up and down High Street in Oxford, Ohio, screaming new sheriffs in town and then saying somebody's name. So, And, and I may or may not be urinating in the street while that's going on. Mayor We're a classy yeah. bunch yeah. of people. Allegedly. Yeah. Um, so, bonus. Yeah. This uh, movie's co-written by Roger Spotswood, director of Stop Where My Mom Will Shoot. So, it's not like there wasn't talent Thanks. involved in Stop Where My Mom Will Shoot. Uh, Stephen oh. E. DeSouza. I'm sorry. Estelle, Estelle Getty. Getty. Yeah. Hashtag Getty can get it. Yeah, again. Hashtag Getty can get it. Yeah, for sure. She can always get it. Always yeah, I feel like this uh, pod was entirely too light on the boner pill jokes, Thunderous Wizard. Probably, or, yeah, brother. Uh, yeah. Probably. I, I mean, just you know, so much HGH jokes to cover. That's a well, good point. Does that affect the boner pill issue? Or? I, I don't actually think it does. I, you get a little bit of bloat, but I think you know, there's no <laughs> issues with the uh, erection stuff. But whatever. All right. Thanks. So. Remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself at Writer C.O.K. You can find Captain Cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. You can find Chumpsilla at Chumpsilla8 on Twitter. Reach um, out and touch me, folks. McCheese, who couldn't be here tonight, you can find him at H-B-O-F McCheese on Twitter. And or in the gutter. Yep. Uh, and or... Boom, bang, down, owned. He got beat up in a in a sultry country bar in Louisiana tonight, so we were without him. Uh, if you'd like, leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. We will see you next week for a bonus episode in our Tango and Captain Cash series, and it is Tango and Cash. Because you know, oh what? yeah, new sheriffs in town. It wasn't that big of a hit. It really wasn't a hit. If you crunch the numbers, it kind of failed, and it also was an epic uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, clusterfuck. Struggle. So, so I'll be honest. I'll say it right now. I always got this movie confused with Turner and Hooch. That's <laughs> like, which one's the one with the dog? Oh, okay. Not not this one, right? This is the one without the dog. Okay, good to know. Yeah. yeah but face totally. it, I, I this movie should get more love just for the sheer fact that it's got Kurt Russell, who yes. is America's sweetheart. Not Rob Schneider, but Kurt Russell. Yep. I love Kurt Russell. I do. I do. A lot. He is Jack Burton. In the end, listeners, pour yourself one more shot of Bullet Bourbon, if you have it. Got it right here. 
Raise a glass. And suffice to say, this movie will have you at fuck you. We'll see you next time. By the way, that's an actual quote from the movie. I'm not just making that up. Don't explain it. (laughs) Cheers.